I want to invite you to the one event that I'll be at this year. If you want to hang out with me and hang out with a bunch of other awesome investors, then you need to get to Flip Hacking Live. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking on stage. And this is the only event that I go to, the only public event that I go to that's open to everyone. And this year, it's being held in Orlando uh, on October 15th through the 17th. And we are going to have some of the really the best investors from around the country on stage sharing what they do. We're going to talk about where to get access to the deal sources that are working in today's market, how to raise private money fast to fund your deals, how to tap into the sales and negotiation tactics to double your signed contracts and learn exactly what to say to sellers. And we're also going to talk about which marketing channels are driving the best leads, how to hire, train and manage your team so that you can scale effectively and profitably, how to get access to the tools and the lenders and the mail houses and other systems that you need, and also how to organize and structure your business to run without you. Guys, this event is the event to go to this year, and I'm going to be there. I really, I know we're all dying to get out of our house. So if you're going to go to an event this year, go to anything, this is the event that you need to go to. Uh, like I said, it's in uh, Orlando on October 15th through the 17th. I'll be there. And if you buy your tickets now, you can go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live. That's juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live at the end of July. So for the rest of June and all of July, if you get your tickets through that link, through my link, and send me proof that you bought it uh, via email. You can email me at mike at juststartrealestate.com. That's mike at juststartrealestate.com. I'm going to pick one one person who I am going to pay for their hotel while they're there. So I will pay for the night of the 15th and the night of the 16th. And on the 17th, that's the last day. I'm assuming most people are going home. So I'm going to pay for two nights at a hotel. I'm going to pick one person who went through my link, and you got to be able to prove that you bought the ticket, show me the email, show me that uh, you did that. And I'm going to pick one random person who I will pay for their hotel for two nights while you're there. So go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live. Get your tickets, guys. This is the event. I'm telling you, I've said it on stage in past years. If you don't go to this event, I seriously wonder whether or not you actually want to do this business because this event has launched millionaire businesses. It has. I've seen it. I know the people personally. This is the event you need to go to. So it's in Orlando, October 15th through the 17th. Just start realestate.com forward slash flip hacking live. See you there, guys. Lots of lessons, but let's go with this one. Your net worth will never go up more than your self-worth. And if you don't work on yourself, then you're going to struggle financially. Yeah. So I did a lot of work on myself and I started to realize that I needed to you know, get really clear on what I valued and what my work ethic was going to be. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, how are you today? Thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your focus. I appreciate that you're tuning in and whether you're working out, driving in your car, sitting at home or working, I just appreciate that you're taking the time to be here. So thank you for that. If you've never listened to the show before, guys, I you are in for a treat today. This is a good one to tune in for. If you've been a loyal listener for a long time, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, in either event, 
in either case, a rating and review would be the best way you can show your appreciation to me. So if you'd be so kind as to do that, I'd appreciate it. Okay, guys, we have a great show for you today. This is a real estate investing centered podcast. But as you guys know, I realize that there's more to the world than just hardcore real estate. And and we pack the real estate goodness in here. And I try to bring the value and bring on the guests that are just going to crush it and just lay it all out there about their business and how they're, how they're crushing and being successful. But I also like to have folks on that have other perspectives and other strengths to help us be a little bit more well-rounded as individuals, as businessmen and women, and as, as you know, family members and all that. So to that end, I've actually merged both worlds here. I'm bringing on someone who has an absolutely incredible, staggering resume in real estate, uh, but also has kind of transitioned and and gotten out of being in the real estate world and is really more about just helping people grow and achieve a higher level of success in all aspects of life. So on today's show, without any further ado, uh, we have Rock Thomas. Uh, this guy is everywhere. He's huge. He's written books. He's He works with Tony Robbins. He's just, he's, he's a beast uh, and he really has tons of wisdom that he just gives it all out today. I mean, it's just this interview is incredible. Uh, so Rock Thomas is a motivational speaker at this point in his life. He's a best-selling author and host of the I Am Movement podcast. From farm boy to real estate and business guru, mentor, and self-made millionaire, Rock has studied one-on-one -on -one with the world's best teachers, such as Tony Robbins, which I mentioned, Stephen Covey, and Gary Keller, on his mission to inspire others to create their best life on their terms. After decades of learning from the greatest minds on the planet, working with and coaching thousands of people in his workshops and webinars, Rock now spends his time teaching people how to be financially free and truly happy on their terms, whether they work for themselves or others. Guys, this was a fun interview and I think a very powerful one on a lot of levels. So I'm excited to dive in and I'm not going to make you wait anymore. Let's dive into it with Rock Thomas. Rock Thomas, my friend, it's good to have you on my show. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm excited to get into this and talk a little bit. Always jazz to talk about life. Yeah, me too. Me too. And you've had or having, shouldn't say had, it makes it sound like you're not here anymore. You're having <laughs> a great one. And so we wanna we wanna talk about that. You're out there in so many places and you've had so much success with books and different things that you're doing online that maybe everyone has heard about you. But in case there's somebody who hasn't, let's dial back a little bit. Um, we're gonna talk about you know, your growing up and things like that, but maybe let's skip ahead a little bit, kind of talk about your adult life. What were you doing early in your adult life and how did you get kind of to where you are? And I know, I don't know if real estate was the beginning, but let's talk about that. As an adult, what did you do right out of high school? How did that look for you? Yeah. So growing up on a farm, I learned how to work hard. So I took any job that was a lot of work, driving a taxi in Australia for seven months. I did modeling. I was in movies. I knocked on doors. I sold just about everything from Kodak film. If some people are too young to know what that actually is. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Heat pumps door to door and cut lawns and uh, shovel driveways, anything that had to do with physical man, bus boy, bartender, you name it. Okay. But, you know, I, by the time I got my late 20s, my father got sick with cancer and I flew to Australia to take care of him several times. And when I came back, I was working as a flight attendant. I lost my job. I sued the airlines. I realized that when you sue a big company, you have to have deep pockets. Otherwise, they just string it out and crush you. Yeah. 
I lost a lot of money there. I went through a divorce because I was never around taking care of my father. And long story short, and it sounds so cliche, but I was $30,000 in debt back on my mother's couch after being evicted from my apartment. And I thought, what do I do now? Like, I need to make money quickly. Yeah. And so I turned to sales, got into real estate. Back then, you know, a few weeks and you got your real estate license. Yeah, yeah. And I started because I was afraid of people not knowing that I was so bad at stuff. I, I started knocking on doors on my own and doing things my own way. And that's the longest, fat, longest way to learn. Yep. Took me a year to make one sale. <laughs> okay. And then I got fed up with that and I started to get some coaching. And the next year I made 32, then 45, 65, sold 100 homes a year. The average realtor sells six homes a year. So I was doing pretty yeah. good. Yep. And then the owner of the largest Remax franchise knocked on my door and offered to sell me the company. So I said, yes. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I came up with the money. I, I sold my house. I rented. I sold one of my cars. I moved into a rental. And I had three kids under the age of four at the time. I was very scared of failing. Yeah. I was very concerned that if I put all my eggs in that one basket and it didn't work I would be on the street with my kids so it got my focus man I, like, yeah. I was dialed in I was paying attention and I started to ask the right questions and I took the company from 300 million in sales to over a billion ran it that way for 10 years and then sold it for 4 million and started writing books and and so so my my real success came from that kind of early 30s to late 40s all yeah. in the arena of real estate but I also gained a lot of time freedom because I learned about leverage. Yeah. So I just want to hit on a couple of things you talked about. And I don't want to gloss over this because I know people are probably going, wait, I'm going to rewind that. You bought Remax or you bought some Remax franchise locations, like a certain amount of locations. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I bought the model of a free. Gotcha. 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 And then you mentioned, uh, and this is important. I think people sometimes shy away and, and underestimate the power of fear. Sometimes that will make you focus, right? Nothing will focus you more than being afraid. All right. I mean, kind of imagine you're in the woods and you, you stumble upon a grizzly bear, like you're focused, like you're not thinking about, you know, anything else other than that bear. So uh, having that fear, man, I tell you, I, that can definitely snap you into focus. So the years that you were in real estate, what, what, what are we talking about? Like 90s, 2000s timeframe? Yeah. So okay. early 90s to 96, then I bought the company and I ran it from 96 to 206. 206. Okay. Wow. You got out right before <laughs> all the bad things happened in real estate to a lot of people. So what was what did you learn? What was your biggest takeaway from your time in real estate, both as an agent and then as an owner of this Remax franchise? What what did you take from that and you're using now in your in your current life, what you're doing? Lots of lessons, but let's go with this one. Your net worth will never go up more than your self-worth. And if you don't work on yourself, then you're going to struggle financially. Yeah. So I did a lot of work on myself and I started to realize that I needed to you know, get really clear on what I valued and what my work ethic was going to be. And yeah. a lot of people struggle with promotion. They're uncomfortable selling. There's two businesses you're in. You could be, you know, um, you could do hair, nail, whatever. That's the business you're in. That's the service you provide. But there's finding the client that's an integral part of an entrepreneur's life. Yeah. And when I learned that, I got really good at finding the clients. I made that my major job, Mike. Okay. And then I, that's why I thrived. Yeah. Every day I got up, I went out and found a few new clients before I did anything. Before I served any of my clients, I went and got new ones. 
Yeah, that's so great. People forget about that. That's been the lifeblood, right? Like what's feeding your business? What's making you successful? And it is in real estate, there's no doubt about it. It's finding clients. Now, I'm, I purpose, I, I want to get back to real estate a little bit, but I want to, before too long, we would be, um, I think, doing a disservice if we didn't dial back. I purposely made you skip your childhood. Talk to me about your childhood now. Like, where where did you grow up? And then somebody recently, I, I heard this question uh, being asked of someone. I thought it was so cool. Like, what was it like at your dinner table when you were growing up? Isn't that a cool question? It made me think. Yeah. But what what was it like at your dinner table? So I'm the youngest of seven seven kids, um, and I had a German slash Dutch father who, when he came in, uh, you know, everybody got quiet. He sat at the head of the table. And I sat directly to his right, so he could keep an eye on me. And if I didn't eat my food quickly, then my brother would take some of it. So it was a very competitive atmosphere. And if you said or did something wrong, you were sent to another part of the house without finishing your meal. So it was a very actually um, not very enjoyable, stressful time. Yeah, It was almost like I felt more like an orphan than I did part of the family. Wow. It's like... You just tried to get your meal and get out of there without getting injured. Yeah. Really kind of the that's, atmosphere. That's powerful, man. That That's, phew. I had a similar, my dad wasn't, you, you said German Dutch, right? My dad was Italian Marine. I know Marine is not a location, but that <laughs> sort of paints a picture. So tough growing up. Obviously, you grew up on a farm. What is that like? Uh, grew up on a farm sounds like you just sort of ride horses and lay around in hay bales. No, I'm kidding. What, what was it like growing up on a farm for you? We did some of that. And ideally, when you're like in a teenager, you lay around not alone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, <laughs> the reality was 365 days of the year, horses need to be fed and they need to be cleaned. Yeah. And their stalls need to be mucked out. So I think the greatest gift I got was learning how to become incredibly resourceful because it could snow or rain, you're sick, it doesn't matter, you fed the horses and you found a way. Yeah. And that really is what helped, I think, made me a good entrepreneur because I MacGyvered it. I became like, you use what's available around you. Yeah. And most people are like, oh, my laptop's not working, I can't do the thing. You know, I would drive <laughs> down the street, find a cafe in that cafe and make it work. Yeah. To me, there's always a path, there's always a way. And, and whether you're in the military, a sports team, or farming, I found there's a parallel of, hey, you know, you lost your right guard, they send the next guy in, and yeah. you snap the next play. Yeah. You don't go, oh, we don't have our best player, can we postpone the game? It doesn't work <laughs> right. that way. Yep. So I learned that mindset growing up on a farm, which is incredibly valuable. And so to make excuses and to look for reasons why things don't work is not, you know, it's not my, in my playbook. Yeah. How, how old were you? If you can remember, maybe, maybe it happened sort of slowly and organically, but do you remember how old you were when you appreciate it? Cause I'm assuming as a kid, you didn't appreciate the values you're being taught. It was just like, this sucks. I have to do all this work. How old were you before you actually look, could look back and go, I, maybe the methods were rough, but I, I at least understand and appreciate the lessons I learned. First job I got was out working at McDonald's and they had two people cleaning all the tables. One guy came in sick and my boss asked me if I would do my best to just kind of keep things at bay. Yeah. I crushed it. I did the job of two people and aced it better than two of us working together, yeah. got a promotion. And that's when I realized that I had an edge on the rest of the world. Yeah. You were different a little bit because of that upbringing. I, I hear you. So growing up, was it, did you have boy, uh, brothers and sisters or just all boys or how, what kind of a household? What kind of a mix did you have there? So two brothers and uh, four, four sisters. I was, again, the youngest. 
So I, I learned how to run fast while running away from my brothers. <laughs> and the girls were, some of them were so old that, you know, there were two marriages put together. So I didn't know my oldest stepsister. One was a, two of them were adopted. It was a, it was a real mess really. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was always a battle to try to, you know, I got the hand-me-downs. Uh, I was fighting for stuff. I was labeled as a thief by my mom because I used to <laughs> steal steal pocket change to get ice creams while she was uh, out gallivanting. Uh, I got reprimanded and I got my father looked at me as though I needed to be, you know, given hard work to straighten me out. Wow. So I got the tough act throughout the whole thing, which made me end up be the most successful of all seven kids, at least in the material world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're labeled as a thief by... I thought you were going to say labeled as a thief by my siblings, but <laughs> labeled as a thief by your mom and then putting a target on your back for your dad doesn't sound like the easiest way to get through that that whole situation. Did you, just out of curiosity, were you an athlete? Did you have sports in your background as a kid? Yeah, ironically, like I said, I mean, we rode horses, so I learned how to, you know, be physical that way. Yep. But I literally ran away from my brothers a lot while they were trying to beat me up. Yeah. And when I went to school in high school, I started to do some pickup football and nobody could catch me. <laughs> <laughs> so I became a running back on the high school team because of that reason. Okay. Very, very quick. And then I went into hockey. Um, I, I never had my, like my father was not an athlete. So I never had somebody say, Hey, you can do this and we'll back you. Yeah. It fizzled out even though I was good. It's just I, I didn't have the support to maintain it. Okay. When you say support, you played the sports. Did they go to Did they go to the games? Did they oh, no. sit in the stands? No. Okay. Never. Never. Okay. okay. My father would slow down in the car when he dropped me off, if he dropped me off and rolled me out the door. <laughs> now, I'm wondering, because, you know, there's differences, obviously, in the way we were raised. There's some similarities, it sounds like. How much do you feel like, because I think there's two ways you can go when you have that kind of an upbringing, that kind of a strict, you know, tough, you know, you said you felt like an orphan. That says volumes. How much of that played on your confidence in a negative way? And how much of that fueled you to try to prove them wrong or make them proud or whatever? I think sometimes people kind of crumble and they go into a shell and they feel like they just aren't good enough to do anything. And other people take it as a challenge. How, how did that affect you? Really great question. So both of those, I spent most of my life proving to my father that I was worthy of his attention and love and for him to say the famous words, I'm proud of you. It drove me every day. Mm. Um, and still, I can feel it in my DNA. Yeah. But today, because of the work I've done on myself, it's more developed into being the best version of myself for the sake of being the best version of myself. There's not that that yeah. angst that goes with it. On the flip side, there was this constant feeling of not being worthy. Mm. My father used to say, you don't get to eat breakfast until you've fed the 22 horses. Wow. So you think about the psychology behind that. A child does not get to eat. I could have been I sick with the flu. It didn't matter. Get outside. He'd lock the door and don't come back until the horses are fed. Wow. Totally made me resourceful and strong, but made me completely isolated and separate. And even probably today on some level, I struggle with really feeling like I belong because of the conditioning was so deep that you you don't belong. Yeah. You're told you you're get out. Get out. So that's yeah. something I've had to work on. You know, I, I just sometimes I'm in a group and I'll find ways to not belong. Um, yeah. sometimes by being a dick, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, just the programming. So I've worked on that and it's, and I've, you know, I created a mastermind because I never had a fraternity um, of men yeah. just so I could belong to my own group. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's one way to have a group to belong to. Start exactly. one. I like that. Yeah. So I, I, I hear you. And I can, that can definitely work on a person. I don't, in your family, it sounds like it was similar. It was sort of like kids are to be seen and not heard. Like nobody cared what I thought. Nobody wanted to hear my opinions on things. Complaining wasn't tolerated, all that kind of stuff. So as you get older, it, it makes it tough, especially doing what you do. Like I'm sure none of your conditioning as a child was to be in front of people on YouTube, on a podcast, in front of crowds of people talking on stage about personal growth. Like, can you imagine how far you were from that as a, as a child? So you mentioned your mastermind. Let's talk about that a little bit. What what is that mastermind called? So I started a few of them. One's called Go Abundance, a tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous men that choose to lead epic lives. And it's a, a tribe of men that love to do adventures and don't believe in retirement. So you do cool stuff before you retire mm-hmm. while you're developing passive streams of income and pushing each other to be the best version of yourself when it comes to health and vitality and in your relationships. And that means a wow. better brother to your brothers, better mm-hmm. communicator, more authentic, a better son to your parents, because we all generally need some healing there and there's room for improvement in that relationship. Yep. A better spouse. And that is where the greatest, you know, conflicts from your childhood tend to come up and get activated. And when you focus on all those areas of your life with other people, you tend to have progress. So I started that eight years ago. It's now morphed into six different masterminds. And the other one is called M1. Mm -hmm. And that's where we help people march toward financial freedom. Okay. So the the GoBundance sounds like it is a a kind of an all over higher achievement uh, in all areas of your life. Um, And I'm wondering, just going back for a second to you mentioned being a good father and, and, and spouse and brother and all that. Have you, how hard was it for you to be a good father when you don't have the role model that you maybe want to be yourself? How did you do that? How did you become that? I think, again, you end up being exactly like your parents are the opposite. Yeah. And I tried to take the good stuff from my father. My father taught me how to be a good student. He taught me a lot of uh, life skills. So I tried to pass those on to my kids. But I said to my kids, listen... I'm the CD, you're the MP3. You take the best from me, you take the best from your mother, and you become a better version because none of us are going to be exactly the way that we want to be and improve. I definitely subscribe to the tough love. My kids worked out. My kids know how to type 80 words a minute. They They read books and they did presentations in the living room in front of each other and got feedback and learned how to be public speakers. Get that off their back at an early age. Um, all of my kids are fairly good at managing their money. Uh, they've traveled a lot and I coached all their soccer and their, their hockey, et cetera, et cetera. I was a present father, but I was also a hard working individual. Mm-hmm. So when I was away at work, I could be away a fair bit and travel. But when I was home, I was down on the ground with them doing cool stuff, yeah. playing pee and poo river in the basement and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's a, I would say it's a definite improvement over my father. Was it, If I looked back, are there things I might have changed? Yeah, I could have been more compassionate for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, that that's honest. That's fair. I, I think you're right. I, it's really cool that you said that uh, you either become like your parents or the opposite and you try to take the best you can out of all of them. I think sometimes a negative role model, and I, I know that even when you look back at your life, you, you can appreciate the lessons that you learned, the life lessons and, the, and some of the tough love that you got that kind of made you who you are. I, I'm the same way, but at the same time, I, I always say that the, the intention and the lessons were, were sound. Um, sometimes the delivery method that was used wasn't the best in the world, but you can take kind of do the opposite in some ways. And in some cases, just take what you learned and, and apply it. Um, you, you have a, a quote that I heard you say in, in kind of looking at you and researching a little bit before this. And I loved it. I wrote it down because I think that this is something I'm going to, I'll give you credit for it, but I'm going to use it a lot. <laughs> do what's easy and life will be hard. Do what's hard and life will be easy. I love that. I've never heard that before. I don't know if that's your quote, but um, I love it. It's it's true and it's it's very clear. And that's something I've tried to tell my kids as well. It's so tempting for the nervous system. You know, like I have a new puppy now and the puppy, all the puppy wants to do is play and have a good time. Yeah. And when you try to get it to sit or to wait or what have you, it doesn't understand. And I think we grow up that way as humans. All we want is just play and have a good time. And it's beautiful that we have that part of ourselves. Otherwise, we'd be all old and boring and yeah. bitter, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. However, I learned again growing up on the farm that... For every disciplined effort, there's a multiple reward. When you do feed the horses first thing in the morning, then you get to do ride them later in the day. Yeah. But if you ride them first thing and they get all sweaty and dirty and then you have to feed them and you're tired and something goes wrong, you know, you get screwed. So it's become a real lens for me in life. When you work out first thing in the morning, you burn fat all day long and get it out of the way. When you yeah. say you're going to do it at five in the afternoon, stuff happens and you don't get to it. You don't feel like it. You're tired. So it's really been a lens for me. Yeah. And often when I, you know, look at what I talked about before, make two appointments first thing in the morning at, at nine before nine o'clock in the morning to build your business. Get that difficult thing out of the way. Yeah. Your energy's high, etc. Your life will be easier. But sadly. You know, people will tell me, well, next week I'll do that. Uh, I, I think in the spring it'll be it'll be yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll, um, I'll sign up for uh, that program of yours in three months. And they don't do it because they're in the disillusion that life is going to get easier. And yeah. guess what? It doesn't get easier. In fact, right. coronaviruses show up and different things show yeah. up. So when it's difficult and you don't feel like doing it and you get yourself to do it, you build your self-esteem, you build your self-trust and self-reliance and dignity, yeah. and those you get to keep. Yep. Procrastination does affect your self-esteem, and you're right. Getting things done feels good. I don't care who you are. It feels good. All right, guys, pardon the interruption. You know I don't normally do this. I don't interrupt the interviews in the middle of them, but I have a timely announcement that I'm really excited about. I have been invited to speak at a two-day live virtual event that puts you on a Zoom call with 10 of the nation's top house flippers and wholesalers so that you can learn their secrets. I'm going to be part of this event. I'm speaking at it, and I'm really excited about it. Here's the best part, guys. It's free. It's 100% free. It's July 10th. And July 11th. This is why it's timely, and this is why I'm interrupting this interview just for a second to tell you about it. So on July 10th, it goes from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and on day two, July 11th, it goes from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. Guys, act on this now. Go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash 7FF live. That's juststartrealestate.com forward slash 7FF live. 
Go grab your tickets now. They're free. You really have no excuse not to go to this event. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. There's going to be some awesome speakers at this thing. So, And it's free, guys. It's absolutely free. You don't have to leave your house. No excuse not to do it. Go grab your tickets now. Okay, back to the interview. You, you mentioned getting up and working out and things like that. What, are, what does your day look like? How do you construct your day for, for success? What do you do? How do you set yourself up? So I'm on the West Coast. So my my favorite days are yoga at 5.30 in the morning. I get up about quarter to five, take the dog out, you know, get myself a little something to drink and then head over to the yoga studio, come back and then usually get into Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday into stuff like this, podcasts, mm-hmm. sales training, whatever it is, online virtual world. Mm-hmm. I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings and the rest of the week I take off. Nice. Um, on a, some days I have to get up and because I'm in the West coast, I have a training or a podcast or something at very early in the morning. I skip my yoga, then I'll get to it later in the day or I'll go golfing or I'll work out in the gym or I'll go swimming or something like that. So typically I do my best to fit in all my business affairs in three mornings. It's really three days cause it starts at 5am till about one o'clock okay. and the rest of the time I'll do something if it's important or significant. But other than that, it's about playing, having a good time, spending time with my lady, my dog, my kids, my friends. Yeah. And I'm a very physical person, so I'm often active four to six hours a day. Yeah, you're in great shape, first of all. Uh, you brought it up, so I'm going to talk about it for a second. What do you eat? How do you maintain? Because I'm always on a quest to uh, make sure that I'm doing what I need to do for myself. And I know everyone's different. Everyone's body's different. I get that. But what do you? What is your? what's your routine look like as far as eating and exercise? So a year and a half ago, I was 184 pounds. Today, I'm about 168. Uh, I've become a vegan. And it's really simple. It's just eat what comes out of the earth. Okay. Every, like if you come to my fridge, you can't cheat. The only thing that's <laughs> is, is fruits and vegetables. <laughs> just it's impossible. Um, my, my cheat is popcorn and licorice. Those are the two things in the evening, watching Netflix, uh, you know, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. But other than that, there's no dairy products. There's no butter. There's no eggs. There's no milk. Um, we make our own green drink. Still have my my glass here that you can't see, but <laughs> it's grow vegetables in the garden and then have um, a cold pressed juicer. I have a girl that comes in three days a week uh, from eight thirty in the morning to one thirty. Um, sends the house, cleans the house, does all this stuff that none of, none of us want to do, the laundry, the folding, the cleaning, the tidying, and blah, yep. blah, blah, and does the juicing. So I've just made my life easy over time to yeah. be um, in the best possible shape. And I'll do randomly 100 push-ups a day if, I, you know, if I'm traveling or what have you to get in the activity. And the rest of that, it's like my stomach has shrunk. You, eating's way overrated. You know, the people that sell food are drug dealers and we eat way more than we need to. And we weigh stuff we shouldn't eat. You don't really need to drink that much water when you eat fruits and vegetables because yeah. they're water rich. Yeah. But when you eat things that are dry and in a package, you need water to help flush it through your system. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just salad and soup was my dinner last night. Not very exciting, but really tasty to me. I love it. I love hearing you're right. I, if eating is a read it. It's so bad. It, the easiest thing to do in our world is to eat bad food. It's like the easiest. It's cheap. It's convenient. It's everywhere. If you go to the grocery store, it's 80% of the store is garbage. I totally agree with you. It, but, you know, and again, I think you're right. Drug, we used to call <laughs> people who sell food are drug dealers. 
I get it because food is addictive. It's one of the hardest things to kick. You can't stop eating, but to eat bad food, right? It's just so easy. Our world has made it so easy. Um, I want to touch on something. After you sold your your Remax franchise and and you got out of that world, um, you went on this kind of this quest for personal growth. First of all, what made you do that? Now, I can sort of guess, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. What made you like, what was the decision to sell and to go on this quest? Why? Well, I was traveling around speaking and I started to hear from all the different brokerages that I was going into that they were losing agents, sales were down, et cetera. And I started to see the picture because when you speak in California, New York, Florida, Alberta, Canada, et cetera, and everybody's telling you that things are not going the right way. I thought to myself, we're due for a correction. I've been doing this for 10 years as an owner and every year has been better than the next. Yeah. Something's bound to crack. Yeah. So I went home and I said, it's time to sell. I got out and then got out in the fall of 2006 and you know the rest. Yeah. So that was the reason. The quest came from the fact that you know, I spent most of my life trying to prove that I was worthy of success and I ran really hard on, on the treadmill of life. And when you keep on doing that, sometimes what happens is you start to party a little bit too much. So I started to have success get to me. I started to make investments in the stock market and side deals and stuff. And I yeah. was really doing well in almost everything. I start, started to think really big of myself. And... <laughs> I st- and I started to look for new ways to get high. So, you know, I was drinking a little bit more. I was smoking pot. Then somebody would bring some other party favorites to, you know, the opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize this is not who I am. I'm an athlete. Yeah. I respect my body. Why am I putting these things in my body? And that's when I went on the quest to go, okay, what are other ways that you can meet your levels of fulfillment without damaging your body and going backwards? And I was able to quit all of it cold turkey with one conversation or actually listening to uh, a tape series from Tony Robbins. Yeah. What was that uh, Awaken the Giant Within? Was it that that series? That was the book I bought that brought me to him. Yeah. But it was a series called Get the Edge. I think it's called Get the Ultimate Edge now okay. or something okay. like that. Okay. Okay. But yeah. it's just, I didn't know there was another way to think, Mike. I thought I woke up and I had to work with what I had. And then yeah. I realized... You can focus on, it's like if you pull your phone up now and you have investments on the stock market and you looked at this, the Dow went down 800 points and your portfolio went down 20,000, it's going to create an opportunity for you to give it a feeling. Yeah. But if you didn't look at your phone, you would probably feel fine. Yeah. Or vice versa. So when I learned that what you focus on creates feeling, to me at the time, it was like, oh my God, it was an epiphany. So I then went on that quest to go, how else can I run my brain? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And you have had a chance uh, to study with uh, Tony Robbins and, and Wayne Dyer and Stephen Covey. Talk about that. What it, I, I understand what you learned from Tony, but what does that mean to talk to those kinds of folks that have that kind of insight? What did that do for the way that you run your life, your business, what, what your future was going to hold? How did that whole adventure and that those conversations and that interaction work for you? Yeah, um, I think that there's two ways to learn more, and Buffett says, from your own mistakes and from other people's mistakes. And when you learn from other people's mistakes, it takes a level of passionate curiosity. Because you can read a book, feels good, and then you don't even remember anything or apply it. Yeah. 
So one of the things I learned from my father was he says, when you learn something, apply it and integrate it. So if I had learned math and we'd be building a house, he would, he would give me the measuring tape. It would be 92 inches. And he'd say, okay, how many feet is that? And he would make me do the math in my head. Uh, he would ask me, how long does the bus take to get to school? And how many miles do you think it is? He was constantly getting me to use the things I learned and to apply them. So when I met Stephen Covey or I met Deepak Chopra or Tony Robbins, I was really good at asking really piercing questions. And then I would look at their content. I go, okay, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. How did he come to write this book? And why are there seven? And which is the most important one? And so seek first to understand and then be understood. It became a way for me to become a better salesperson. The first thing I need to do is not make it about my commission, but make it about to seek to understand, do you really need a house? Or yeah. do you need a condo? Or do you need to rent? Because if you need to rent and not own, then that is my obligation, yeah. is to serve you. And the universe will take care of it. So when I started to have these principles embedded in my behavior, I went from the average person selling six homes a year to 100. And people are like, well, what are you doing differently? Hard to explain it when there are integrated principles into yeah. your behavior of communication. Yeah. So I think I just was a really, really passionately curious student. And when you're surrounded by greatness, the 20 or 30 years of, of Deepak or of, of Stephen Covey, I will try to dive deep into that and get it. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm starting to like your dad more and more that he did. Uh, he That's a huge lesson. I mean, honestly, you, I've done it. I'm guilty as charged. I, I've read books and I've said, wow, that's great. And I put the book down and I can't remember two months later what I read. I, I didn't, I didn't oh, implement it. Right. So that lesson of when you learn something, implement it and integrate it. I mean, taking action on stuff that you're, man, that is a, that's a lesson that most adults walking around need to hear. I mean, that's, that's huge, right? Because there's no shortage of information out there. It's not like there's, everything's a secret and you can't figure it out. Nowadays, more than ever, it's easier than ever to get answers to your questions and learn skills. I did this for a long time in my business. I, I absorbed, I absorbed, I listened, I didn't apply things, but I was just listening and learning and trying to get more and more knowledgeable, but I wasn't, I wasn't starting the engine. I was just putting gas in the car, you know, and after a while, the gas just overflows. There's nothing you have to implement. So yeah, kudos to your dad on that one. That's a, that's a huge lesson. <laughs> yeah, he gave me a lot of gifts and, yeah. and, you know, I have a lot of quotes on my websites and stuff. A lot of them are repurposed from other people or, or I ripped off and duplicated and changed it to words so I could take credit for it. Yeah. But there is one, the first quote that I did come up with is my quote and it came from the lesson from my father. And it goes like this is my ability to capture the essence of what I learn and apply it at a level of mastery, even more right now is what separates me from the average person. Yeah. I love and that. that. Sums up what we just talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Now you have written uh, a few books. Um, and the ones that I'm having in my notes here is, uh, your epic life blueprint, quit the rat race and create a happier life. That one's more recent. And then I think a while back, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you wrote the power of your identity, the secret to creating lasting change. The first book you wrote, why? Why I've written a book recently, as you know, but why write that? Why? <laughs> not why? It's hard to write a well, book. It's not easy to do that. No, 
When I learned that we're all offered labels in life, like you're, you're introverted, you're, you'll never amount to much, you're stupid, you're dyslexic, you're yeah. ADD, whatever. I started to realize that those are merely suggestions. But if you look for the evidence to support it, you'll probably find it. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll justify the fact that you're stupid or you could never tell jokes or whatever it is. Yeah. And then it becomes who you are because you affirm it to yourself. Yeah. My brother called me pizza face because I had acne. And for 20 years, I looked in the mirror every single day and I looked at myself and I said, I'm ugly. Yeah. And I did everything I could to cover it up with women's makeup, sun tanning, everything I possibly did, turtlenecks, whatever it was, hats, anything I could because I felt ugly. Then I learned from one of my mentors that you can change any label through repetition. And he suggested that I call myself regularly handsome instead of instead of pizza face. Yeah. And that Clint East would be the you know the 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 inspiration for that. And when I learned that, that's what motivated me to write this book because I think there's so many people walking around with pizza their own version of pizza face. Yeah. And their their inner narrative is endless on it. They're like, oh my God, I got more wrinkles. Oh my God, I'm losing my beauty. Oh my God. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't remember like I used to. And they are, they're destroying their potential through the beginning of a suggestion by somebody that could have been somebody they loved or maybe even a, a stranger yeah. that called them something, but that hit home for them. Yeah. So the goal behind that book is to help you understand that you are responsible for your inner narrative. You can change whatever you want. I was dyslexic and a poor speller and not very good at school, but today I'm a very well-paid public speaker and author. If you were to go back to my high school book, that is not what people would have ever have thought me to become. <laughs> right. That wasn't, that wasn't, you weren't most likely to succeed guy in your yearbook. No. Okay. <laughs> so your, your more recent book, the Epic, uh, your Epic Life Blueprint, how did that one come about? Yeah. Another great question, Mike, is um, I did tons of coaching. I've done 74 Tony Robbins events. The average event is 50 hours. So you do the math on the number of hours. I have a PhD in Tony Robbins, if you will. <laughs> you've you've done his events, meaning you've spoken at his events. No, I'm a trainer. For oh, him. trainer. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. I support gotcha. him. I facilitate smaller groups. Gotcha. I help people walk over fire and okay. stuff like that. So I watched people come and go and not get you know, get fired up, come back two years later and, and go, I couldn't sustain it. So in my coaching process, I noticed there was patterns of things that I said over and over again. And I just decided to put it into a book. So the book is divided into 10 chapters. It's called the top 10 rules of success. And these rules, if you follow them, right, there's shortcuts to success. Okay. Anytime I work with somebody and they're struggling, I can sift through in my mind any of the top 10 rules and I can go, okay, so you know, rule number 10 is the power of focus. Well, you keep on focusing on what you don't have. That's why you're unhappy. Yeah. If you start focusing on what you do have and be grateful, you're going to change the way you see things. So I might go to there. Or rule number one is 30 days of 30 minutes a day of personal development. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing that, infusing yourself with inspirational thoughts, and you're bathing from the cesspool of mediocrity that the media is offering you, you're probably going to feel like shit. Yeah. So it's basically a blueprint for you to hack or short circuit the system to find out where you're not following the principles of success so that you can get back on track. That's awesome. 
Very cool. Rock, listen, I just, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I really appreciate you doing this. And I'm really happy that we were able to touch on a lot of things not real estate related, because honestly, I think at the end of the day, you know, another real estate tip and trick isn't what everyone needs. Some people need to reset a little bit and they need to understand that there's more to life. You just hit on it just now specifically, right? If you spend your entire day, you know, working, pursuing this goal and you ignore yourself and you ignore your family and you ignore the kind of person you're becoming, you know, you're never going to get where you want to be. You're constantly going to be fighting yourself. And it took me a long time late in my life to realize that it really did. I just never focused on myself. I never thought about that, how I ate whether I worked out or not, or did anything exercise wise. And it really is a whole body, a whole mental you know, connection that, that we have to make. And that's why I think, that's why specifically I wanted you on because you're an expert in this area. You've done a lot and, and, and you have that street cred with my audience because you were insanely successful in real estate too. So we can, you know, we can say, hey guys, this is a real estate guy, but look at what else he's focused on because this is not all that life is about is trying to you know, get your next deal. So um, I, I appreciate you doing this. Before we leave, is there anything that you want any the audience to know? Anything you want to talk about? Something you're excited about right now, or what would you like to leave everyone with? Well, you know, Jim Rohn said that you are the composite of the five people you spend time with. So I'd say be real intentional with the people you spend time with, and if you're using real estate as the vehicle for your, you know, your freedom, the time freedom that you want, I said that's awesome. But it doesn't really matter what you do because the obstacles that are going to appear are all designed to grow you personally. So you could be a plumber, you could be investing in real estate, you could be a teacher, you could be a massage therapist. Each one of those are going to present with you an opportunity for you to discover more about yourself, which I think is the real outcome. And real estate's a great way to make money, but let's face it, it doesn't inherently bring you joy. Right. Right. Oh, I signed, I bought another sixplex. Yay. I'm so happy. No, you want the proceeds from the six plaques that are going to give you a choice to do the things that really matter with your family or go to India for a week's retreat so you can discover how to overcome your childhood trauma or whatever. That's the real work. So work diligently to get to a place where you have time freedom so you can do the stuff that really matters. Absolutely. I love it. It's a great place to end it. Rock, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. I'm going to put links to every place you can find Rock that I know of. And it's a long list, but I'm going to put all, I'm going to put a list of everything, anything you've heard on this episode and, and more, uh, we're going to put so you can you can follow him and, and see what he's up to and get involved uh, if that you're so inclined. So Rock, thank you for doing this, man. Thanks for being here. I appreciate your time. You're an awesome guest with a lot of awesome wisdom to share. So thank you. And you're an amazing host. You asked some really good questions. You've done your research, so I appreciate that. And your listeners uh, you know, are in for a treat as you continue to serve them. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Have a great day and have a great uh, rest of your summer. You too. God bless. All right, guys, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. I had a great time talking to Rock. Uh, I have been on his podcast, so I knew him a little bit. I did a little bit extra research for this interview because I really wanted to be able to deliver as much value with my conversation with Rock as possible. He has a lot to offer. He's seen a lot. He's been around. He's had this great real estate career for a couple of decades, like he talked about. And uh, now he's just traveling the world and speaking and creating masterminds that help people 
uh, achieve more in their life in general. It's not just real estate that he's focused on. He's focused on just helping people be happier, healthier, more productive, have success in all areas of their life. So I really enjoyed talking to Rock. He's a great guy. I really suggest you go to the show notes and check out what he's up to. Maybe catch something that he's speaking at sometime or pick up his books on Amazon at the very least. The guy's got a lot of knowledge, so I was happy to have brought him into your world today. Okay, guys, as inspiring as that is, as, as great it is to listen to someone like Rock talk and kind of, you know, give us their wisdom, there's nothing that's going to happen. Nothing, nothing, nothing that's going to change or happen for you unless you just get out there and start. Go start. Make it happen today. Make today be the best day ever. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks for hanging out until the very end of the show. You know if you hang on this long, every once in a while, I'll drop in a little nugget, something that you can't get if you don't listen to the end, and I'm going to do that now. Guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that my new book, Level Jumping, is now available on Amazon. And for everyone who's gone out and bought a copy, for everyone who supported me and done that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. It was a big project for me writing a book. It's not easy. And I poured all of my learning over the last 13 years into this book to try to help you understand how to scale your business responsibly, how to build a team, how to create systems and processes that allow you to grow and scale without having to run around crazy. And it is the exact steps that I took to grow my business from a very small business to one that generates over a million dollars in profits each year. So I wanted to put all that into a book and, and make it available to, to you guys. And what I want to do now for those of you, because you've listened all the way to the end of the show, and I really appreciate that. It means a lot. If you go into iTunes or wherever you listen to this show, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is, and give me a rating and review and take a screenshot of that rating and review that you just gave me and email it to mike at juststartrealestate.com. Make the subject, subject line review and give me that screenshot. I will send you a digital download of my book, a fully edited, full version of the book, the whole thing. If you've already bought a book, again, I appreciate that very, very much, but you can still participate. You can give me that rating review and I'll send you a digital download of the book. So if you like consuming it on a Kindle or something like that or on your computer or your, your phone, then you will have that digital download to do that as well. So if you go into that rating review area of whatever platform you listen on, Stitcher, whatever it is, iTunes, give me a rating review, send me a screenshot at mikejuststartrealestate.com. I will send you a free digital download of the book. Guys, I appreciate all your support. I I appreciate the reviews and I look forward to creating content in the future that you love as well. All right. Thanks guys.